What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This episode of the Warriors Huddle is brought to you by the Athletic Club Oakland, a sports bar we just love. If you listen to this podcast, you enjoy watching sports, and you already know that watching games with other fans just makes the experience better. Look, obviously, watching a Warriors game on your own is fine. I've done it for years. But watching the game in a place that lets me scream and cheer and just generally lose my shit with other dub fans is so much more fun. COVID stole that opportunity for a while, but the ACO has given it back. The Athletic Club Oakland has shut down their entire side street, created an enormous outdoor space called the Town Gardens, and filled that space with tables, more than 15 huge TVs, and their full complement of great food and drinks. It's big, it's comfortable, it's a great spot to watch Steph continue to rain threes during this incredible Warrior season, the NFL playoffs, or any other sport with fans while still staying safe. I love this bar. I love their food. I love their space. I love their TVs. I even love that it's family friendly. I can go there with friends and get way too passionate, or I can go with just my wife and kid and enjoy brunch while catching a game. The Athletic Club is now my go-to spot to watch all sports, especially the Warriors, and I hope you'll join us there. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans can be sports fans again. We're going to bring y'all into our huddle. You are in the Warriors Huddle with me, Bram, with me per usual. My boy and producer, Marcus. What's up, Dave Nation? No Maxine today, but I am excited to announce that rejoining us, honestly, after way too long, the host of the Morning Roast on 95.7 The Game, the lead on the Warriors pre- and post-game coverage on NBC Sports Bay Area, longtime friend of this show, and a guy whose jacket Made him look like a dapper British spy, according to my wife last night. Mr. <laughs> Bonte Hill. What's going on, Bonte? <laughs> What's up, boys? Oh, man, that's funny. The, the Pico, man. A lot of people uh, got a kick out of that one. So Darrell Wright told me I look like Frank Lucas from American Gangster. Now, you know, obviously, I don't do the things that Frank Lucas did back in Harlem, uh, in NYC. But uh, for some reason, I take that as a compliment. And whenever you could compare me to a gangster, you know, I feel good about myself, man. I, something about those gangsters, man, gets me tingling a little bit. 
Yeah. Well, shockingly, I wasn't super happy about my wife's uh, view of you. I've never heard. I've, I've known Erica, I think, for the better part of three decades. I've never heard her say the fucking word dapper before. Just at no stage ever in my life. And then, and, you know, she was with me on my on like wedding day. dude. She's seen me in my like, you know, the best suit I have. At no point did she say dapper or British or spy. So let me start this by saying I think I hate you, Monte. I mean, you know what I mean? Like playfully, but I'm coming in here with a little anger. Oh, man, don't, don't. I mean, that's how long you've been with Erica? Uh, what, what, 15 years? Yeah, since the beginning been? of time. I mean, for a ridiculously long time. Yeah, so, I mean, you're in that phase where you're going to take shots left and right. She's going to call this guy <laughs> cute, another guy cute. I mean, Ed is already doing it to me. We haven't even got the years yet. So, you know, I, I'm feeling it a little early. So, it's just it's part of the process, man. It is what it is. I appreciate you saying that. You can't see this because you're driving, so you're not on video. I am, in fact, wearing a peacoat, and I look very dapper. Let's jump in. Yeah, I Boys. see what you're wearing. You're wearing some, uh, man, that stretch collar of the T-shirt, bro. I mean, time for a new one. This is not stretched at all. I mean, I'm looking at, it's not even a real picture of you. I don't know. We're looking at some, like, super reduced weirdo small file on yours. I will not take <laughs> any shit. I don't care how good you looked last night. You don't get to say shit this time until you're actually on our video. Boys, Warriors talk. Let's go. And I've got some questions about my stretch collar down the line. We, we don't have to talk about it now. Uh, let's start where we normally do. Glass half full. Bonte, you've done this with us before. Ideas easy. Look back, recent Warriors hoop. Give me something you like and don't like. I'll start us off so you have some time to think. Something I like, last night's close loss. Here's what I mean. I think the Suns came in wanting to prove a message last night. You know, I, I, have, I wasn't on their plane. I haven't been sitting on any team meetings. But if I had to guess, and it's an educated one, I think the Suns wanted to come in and, and mollywop us. I think they wanted to have a statement win, a 25 win, take our head on a plate, go back onto the plane and feel like they've, they've stomped us out, right? And they come into town crazy motivated. We have no Steph. We have very little execution. We have the inability to make a layup. I've never seen more blown layups. And what happens? We still only lose by four. So am I happy that they lost a game? No, but something I like the return of playoff intensity, how they looked when they, they went up against the best team in the league last night. And even though they didn't bring their A game, they still were right there at the end. Um, and I kind of part and parcel of that, the return of Draymond Green, the defensive uh, savant. You know, we, we've heard him take shots at himself over these last couple of weeks. There's been whispers on social media that he hasn't looked like he did before he went out. We sure as shit did last night and, and had a lot of moments where he was punking both Aiton and Jay Crowder. So I didn't like the result, but I liked the game. What do you boys got? Yeah, I, 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 I think, look, Draymond Green said it perfectly um, after the game saying, look, around here, we're not, we're not about moral victories. We're not about that life. We want too much to be about moral victories. But I think for this specific group, after going one four on that five game road trip, it just looked downright awful in the first and fourth quarter against Orlando, looking lifeless against Washington. And really the compete level against Memphis was just I, I don't want to say they didn't compete or didn't quit. It just they were out they were out of it. It was it was a wrap. It was a schedule loss. Nobody's playing. And Memphis wanted to prove a point. To your point about Phoenix, Memphis wanted to do that and they succeeded. Yep. Memphis did what they did. They punked the Warriors, they blew them out. They talk. Shit, we lost him on time. 
Hmm. We officially lost him. Yeah. Damn it. Um, all right. Would you like him, team? Like or don't? <laughs> um, I liked uh, one thing I did like and one thing I didn't. So what I did like was at one point during the telecast, um, you know, it was it was an ESPN game. So we didn't get Vontae's great commentary. But uh, Richard Jefferson did say uh, the way the Warriors were playing and the way they looked that they were not scared of Phoenix in a, a second round matchup if fully healthy. And the way he said it sounded very confident and and as an opinion of somebody who's played the game at the highest level. Um, and it just it made me feel a lot better for some reason. I'm not the biggest Richard Jefferson fan. You know, I think he's good at what he does. Um, but, you know, I've never just been like, oh, he's my favorite player. But for some reason, when he said it and he said it very just casually and nonchalantly, I believed him. I was like, wow, that's great to hear that. He thinks that the team, when fully healthy, if the Warriors step on the court fully healthy in a seven-game series, that they don't fear the Suns. I was like, that's the number one team in the league. So it just gave me a little um, more hope than I had anticipated hearing from the broadcasters. Uh, one thing I don't like... Hold on, is, quick follow-up. Yeah. Here's a newsflash. I don't think Richard Jefferson's parents view him as their favorite player. <laughs> I don't think there's anybody on earth who's like, you know who my favorite player is? Richard Jefferson. I can't wait to watch him ball. Also, it's kind of like Richard Jefferson week because you see he also came out and said, had Draymond not gotten hurt in 2016 the Cavs probably would not have won that title. And it's the kind of thing of like, I went from hating Richard Jefferson with everything I had to be like, Hey, you know what? This dude kind of knows some things. I mean, he's not my favorite player, Marcus, you know, but you know, know I definitely I'm not his that. parents, but <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. Um, so yeah, I mean, those are two solid takes and for whatever reason, it just, I liked it. It resonated and I, it made me feel a little bit, less nervous um, if he's given that take because, you know, his other take was even when the Cavs played the um, Warriors in the finals and Richard Jefferson was on that team, he said the only reason the Warriors won was because of Kevin Durant. And, you know, he just kind of speaks it as it is. So for him to say that, it made me feel a little bit better. Um, one thing I didn't like was just the amount of turnovers. Um, I think that's Again, it's always been our Achilles heel, even when we were um, in our in the middle of our dynastic runs, um, you know, and it, it comes with the territory of our free playing system. But it's just so frustrating to watch, uh, you know, like wasted possessions where we just throw the ball away or it's just a bad pass. And it's like you can see it. I know it's different on the court, but I mean, you can see it a mile away on the screen. You're like, please don't throw that pass. And they oh, throw you it don't in enjoy those. Stone. How about when they happen in the last moment of a heated playoff-like game? Um, so let's put words to what's happening. Obviously, Bonte joined us up front. He's going through some Zoom problems. I'm getting text messages. He's desperately trying to rejoin us. If that happens, excellent. If it doesn't, fine. We'll get him back next week. The intentions are there. Um, to pick up where you're leaving off, MT, something I didn't. Oh, dude, that Draymond play to end the game, man. And, okay, so just abstractly, um, anytime you lose the game on a turnover, that's not a good thing, and it's going to cause you a lot of frustration. Anytime you lose a team to a hated rival on a turnover, it's going to cause a lot of frustration. And anytime you do that in this kind of a game, this one that was so hard fought, you know, it's going to kill you. But I'll take that a step further. It wasn't just that moment. It's what it signifies. 
you know what Phoenix isn't having at the back end of a game? What even Memphis isn't doing? What any of the title contenders on either side of the Western or Eastern Conference are doing? Having execution problems, MT. Not now. Not now. There's five games away. You know, that happens in the first month of the season. Expected. That happens three months in. Okay. A little worrying. That happens in the last fucking month of the season. Five games before we get to the playoffs. That's that it's it's unacceptable and that it happens after a timeout when they've had a chance to think this out is concerning. It bothers me. And I'll put a cherry on top of that. The only thing that bothered me more than that, the thing I didn't like more than Draymond turning it over was the shot of Chris fucking Paul laughing in our faces after that turnover. (laughs) I mean, like that, that hit me in like a nasty old school. Like I wanted to like throw my controller through the screen. So I didn't have to see his stupid smug smiling face (laughs) anymore, man. So it, it, it killed me. It absolutely killed me. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you don't you don't want to see those um, executional missteps, especially this late in the season. I would chalk a lot of that up to the fact that this group just hasn't played a ton together, like the injuries and in and out of the lineup. Like it's hard to have a cohesive, free flowing system. Um, and, you know, and the Suns do have that. And, um, you know, credit to them for staying healthy. I I think it was an amazing um, after ATO call after the timeout play like Steve Kerr is um, for all the, the shit he gets for not being a great X's and O's guy. His um, after the timeout plays are top of the league. Like he, he can draw them up with the best of them. And that play Otto Porter, you know, didn't slip like he was supposed to. Um, and if he does, it's a wide open layout because everybody was focusing on Jordan Poole. And then they were like, oh, no, it's going to clay. And that was the back screen. And he didn't slip. If you would have slipped, it was a wide open dunk. And would Are been you from like an alternate dimension where that play actually succeeded and you got to see what would happen? All I saw was Draymond jump without a plan. And then a pass that went nowhere. And, and Chris Paul no, laughing. That wasn't. Not, and again, Richard Jefferson, shout out. He's getting his third accolade in this one. Um, he called it out. He was like that play was written up for Jordan Poole and then Clay to be the ultimate um, diversion. And Otto Porter was supposed to slip the screen at that point because they both went over the top to guard Clay. And he didn't. He just stayed at the screen. If he would have slipped, Draymond jumped and he was going to pass it, but but Porter didn't move. If he would have moved, he would have had a, a wide open dunk. So um, that's why Draymond was frustrated. And you could see if you watched again, he yells at Otto and points like you were supposed to slip and roll to the basket. I would be able to slowly piece out why you're wrong on that, but I got super distracted by text messages from Bonte saying he can't get into our Zoom meeting. So just sit back and, and be confident that I would be right in this setting, but I don't have the bandwidth to be able to go through each of these. Uh, unfortunately enough, sounds like Bonte will not be joining us, is what it is. We'll get him next week. Let's move to our golden questions nonetheless, Matt. So What we're looking at here are questions from the audience. They get both personal and and Warriors related. And here's the first. Marcus, has there ever been a team with more confidence who has done less than the Phoenix Suns? I'll answer that. Yes, dude. Fucking Memphis. I cannot stand (laughs) how confident they were after winning a totally meaningless regular season game. And I I get why Phoenix has to present with that confidence level. And the Warriors did it before they won either. You have to, you know, what's the phrase? Fake it till you make it. But as a, a fan who's been lucky enough to watch a team who has had dynastic success, watching other people 
try to give facial expressions that suggest they're already there when they have not done a fucking thing is ridiculous. It's ludicrous and it is annoying is what it is. It definitely is. And I, I think Memphis is a great up and coming team and they have a lot of young talent and they have a very um, rich owner with deep pockets. So that's going to all bode well for them moving forward. I, I think they they still haven't had their um, amount of lumps in the playoffs yet. Um, once teams sag a little bit more and say, if you if we lose, it's going to be because John Morant goes seven for eight from three-point line, which I don't think his jumper is still that good. He hits it once his the rest of his game is going. But um, I, I think they're going to be in for a little bit more of a, a rougher playoff run than than their regular season um, kind of dictates or it's shows. A, it's a foregone conclusion that the NBA changes between the regular season and the playoffs. It changes physically and it changes mentally. Both change. Nobody can say Memphis hasn't had success. They have. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like they didn't beat the pants off of us, you know, and they've looked good. They've looked damn good. But they haven't looked damn good in that change setting yet. Maybe they will. You know, they'll fast forward a couple months. Maybe I got to eat some crow on this. But as of right now, them talking all this shit and presenting with all this confidence is unfounded. They have not done it yet. Let me ask you this. If you had to bet a mortgage payment, who wins more playoff games in the next three years? Memphis or Golden State? The next three years? Yep. It's painful, right? I mean, they're, they're yeah. like, because I, you want to say with exclamation point, undoubtedly, if it's this year, I say Golden State. I'm fine with making that, that prediction. We stretch it out. I think I'm still saying the Warriors, but Memphis has a legitimate core. So what's your response there? I still think it's Golden State because the players that Memphis has still need to prove something. I mean, they, they have a lot of talent and they have a, a, a good – you know, a deep enough bench of complimentary players, but that, that has always been the recipe for some people to get even more lucrative deals elsewhere. Um, so I just, to me, the Warriors um, have a great combination for the next three years of the core Steph, Clay, and Dre that aren't going to go anywhere. And then Poole and um, Kaminga and hopefully Wiseman and Moody, um, that are going to be stepping up. So I'm going to, I'm going to give it to the Warriors, just the edge, but slight edge to the Warriors. Here's a Homer take. Um, but that's what I specialize in. Look, the Warriors have had some struggles this year. We can all admit that those struggles have never happened with the big three on the floor. They have not, they just haven't. No one has shown me in any kind of conclusive way that we should expect their level of play to just absolutely bottom out. Maybe, maybe when they come on there, we'll, we'll see that they're on the other side of something, but until that happens, until someone can show me why I shouldn't believe in Steph, Clay, and Dre, then I will, Marcus. And I sure as hell will believe them over a franchise that hasn't won a goddamn thing yet. You know, the, if, if their biggest accomplishment was the play-in win they had over us last year, then I feel pretty good about projecting three years of success going forward. Do you view either of these teams as a rival, by the way? Phoenix or Memphis? You know, I mean, these, these last few games have fired me up. And I dislike them. I want to see both of them lose when the playoffs start. But I don't know if that means rivalry yet. I don't, I don't think there's enough history between the franchises. I, I remember we had this conversation about the Clippers years ago. And it wasn't until they kind of clashed in the playoffs before we could legitimately use that phrase. So I'll answer it. I say hated teams, 
not rivals. Do you agree? Yeah, I definitely agree. I don't think that they have had enough sustained success to be a rival. Like you have to earn that. And right now they're just the annoying little up and comers and they want the respect for us to view them as a rival. And we're still, you know, like sunning them a little bit, like, nah, you still have, you know, you still have a little ways to go. So maybe they make that leap this year in the playoffs. Um, but like you said, uh, a lot of people counted out um, Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili and Tim Duncan, at, you know, for running their playoffs um, the way they were and their, their kind of run together. So as long as we have Steph Clay and Dre, my, I'm, I'm going to put my money on them, Homer take or not. This next person writes, Social media is on fire with suggestions that Clay needs to change his mentality, come off the bench, stop stopping the ball, stop being or thinking of himself as the same player he was pre-injured. Should, if it was up to you, boys, Clay change the way he thinks about the game? Uh, and she take this one first, MT. What do you think? Absolutely not. I think anybody who's saying that is just having recency bias. Um Clay Thompson was part of the greatest shooting backcourt in the history of the NBA. He has crazy records. He has 60 point games on 11 dribbles. All of that is in the past, but he's coming off of two huge injuries. One, an Achilles, which is catastrophic to an ACL tear, which is a serious, serious injury. And he didn't play basketball for over 900 days. So um, you know, you need to give him time. Like the fact that he's not the clay of old, um, they, everybody, Bob Myers, Draymond, Clay, Steph, everybody said he wasn't going to be the clay of old. Uh, only people who don't realize that yet are all the fans who are saying to trade him or to sit him or to change him and clay and the fans, you know, like, I feel like you just need to relax and give him some time for clay. I think he just needs to, continue doing what he's doing i think if you tell him to change um that that's the ultimate wrong message for a shooter he's going to try to shoot his way out of this and hopefully he, he finds a way to um have that introspection and be like you know what maybe i should pass it and get the ball moving a little around more until i get my legs under me and um you know like the two years off of rest kind of falls off. But, um, you know, like he told Draymond, he said, he said, shut up. I get paid to shoot the ball and he's going to shoot his way out of the slump. It looks like. So hopefully, um, you know, in years past, he hasn't really caught fire. He always starts off slow and, and gets hot about month three of the season. So hopefully that lines up um, nicely with, with April. That's when he's healthy too. Let me answer this from a personal and professional standpoint, right? Personal as an aging athlete, professional as somebody who hosts this show. Fuck no, a hundred percent. No, a thousand percent. No, show the man some respect that, that we, everybody acknowledges, even those people who say he has to change his mentality, that he's coming off to use your phrase, catastrophic injuries. Did everyone think he was just going to be fine 20 games in? You know, I don't, I don't even know how many games he's played. I can't imagine it's more than 20. It's somewhere in that area. Has he been able to regain his exact form from where he was before? No. Could anybody regain it in that small amount of time? No. And that presupposes if he came back to a team where his role was identical. It's not. He hasn't been able to play with Draymond. He hasn't really been, or he hasn't been able to play with Dre and Steph at the same time. They're working in pool. They're working in Kaminga. It's an entirely different setting. Does the fact that he doesn't look identical while trying to get back from two major injuries on a new setting make me want to go to one of the greatest shooters of all time and say, hey, you know what? 
stop, relax, take a back seat. We don't need this from you. Hell no, Marcus. A million times no. What happens if you do that is you are you are forever from here on out. You are cutting out the possibility of Clay being Clay Thompson again. You are you are neutering him. You know, we might as well give him the type of runway he requires so that he can kind of gauge where he is and then make that decision. It should not be made externally, at least not now. You know, if, if we go through an entire offseason and Clay comes back and, and he's honest and his body isn't the same way, we make a call then. But you don't do it 20 games in to a season that's designed to get him back up to speed. Let him do that. Exactly. Yeah, I completely agree. The last time he played like legit NBA games on this team, he had Kevin Durant on the team right. too. It was right. Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Kevin Durant flanking him and DeMarcus Cousins at times. So like you have to give him time to adjust to the fact that, you know, there's a different cast, there's a different role to your point, and they're working in different systems. And then also his body, like there's so much going on that he's adjusting to. The fact that he even scored 30 plus points in a game a few times is right. is proof enough that you just got to let him do his thing. Look, unlike you, I'm not from an alternate dimension where I know what happens in the future. <laughs> so do I know for sure that Clay Thompson will return to that form? No, I don't. But I know that he never will if we go and tell him to stop trying. Yeah. You know, if, if the message is, hey, Clay, you seen what Jordan's been doing? Great. Sit down. No, no. You, you, you let him also become Clay Thompson again and then figure out how the two of them can coincide. Um, and yeah, I would do it. I would do the opposite. I would be like, Clay, can you teach Andrew Wiggins how to shoot a fucking free throw, please? Yes. Okay. And, and great transition. We won't chase this down um, because it's a much longer conversation, but we've had a version of this. Should Clay start? Should Clay sit? And the version always came from Jordan Poole, whether or not he should start or sit. And I think there's, you know, those two things don't have to be mutually exclusive. There's a world in which you start both of them and you sit Wiggins' ass, you know, and let him come off the bench. But we can explore that when we start talking about playoffs. Instead, let me give you another, uh, another question here. The Warriors have five games left. What do you want to see? If they can accomplish something over these last five games, what would that something be? I'd like to see um, them reestablish the defensive intensity and um, taking care of the ball. It, I don't care if they go 0 and 5 and they drop to the four or five seed and, you know, it is, you know, whatever. Um, if they are playing defense on a string, everybody's engaged, they're in the games, they're not blown out, and they have less than 10 turnovers. I think it's a win because once the team is back together and they get into playoff mode and Steph is back and everybody's there, I think they click it into gear. We always complained that they had a switch and they would only turn it on when they wanted to. And then when they turn it on, it was great, but we'd be mad because they wouldn't always turn it on. That switch is still there. So it's off right now. If they are healthy and they turn it on, watch out. Yeah. So let's see, five games. Oh, and five would upset me. Um, I mean, you know, they've lost four or five. You don't want to lose, what, nine or 10. Um, so I'd like to see at least two wins. I don't think that the win-loss record matters. I'd have no problem playing Utah in that four or five matchup. In fact, I kind of like that path to the playoffs. So if that goes down, fine. But I do want a couple of wins. I want to see efficiency kick up. Um, I heard you with how that last play should have played out. Even if the lack of efficiency was uh, our boy Otto Porter not making the read that he was supposed to, 
whoever it is, whoever's at fault, those kind of mistakes can't be happening at this part of the season. So I like to see them shore that up a little bit. And then if possible, and I don't think this is probable, but if possible, I wouldn't mind seeing Steph in one game, you know, just, I don't know, just get a little feet underneath him and have, have one more regular season game before the big three are asked to, um, to really produce in the playoffs, which leads to this question. What's the biggest reason the Warriors will win it all? And the biggest reason they won't. I'll take this one first. Biggest reason they'll win it all. I still believe in the big three. There's an ongoing theme in this. I won't take it back through what I just said, but unless and until someone proves to me that these guys are no longer capable of what I know them to be capable of. And I'll tell you what, the one game they played together, I was pretty satiated. So until someone shows me that these guys can't play with one another, the biggest reason they can still win it all is the puncher's chance we've been talking about. They have talent. They have experience. They've got a shot. So, you know, I want to see it played out. Biggest reason they can't win it all, no consistency. This isn't a new take. We, we've talked about it all year. We've been worried, you know, what are the roles? What are the minutes? What are people going to do? We're five games out. Those questions are just as pressing now as they were in the first week of the season. And so that lack of knowledge, yeah, that's not what you want to see from a team that is definitely going to win a championship. So that's kind of both sides of my ball. Nice. I'm going to go with definitely will win it. Um, same as you, I'm going to go experience. Um, I think experience is one of the key things to have uh, in, in a playoff run. And we have that in spades and a lot of the top West teams um, don't. Uh, at least not to the degree that we do. So I like our experience, um, you know, in, in those matchups and when when it hits crunch time. Um, I know the, the refs seem to um, be a little out of favor for us um, these last couple games, um, but I think it it always balances out and usually it's, it's, it works to our favor when we're aggressive defensively and, and we um, play that way. So experience and then, why we won't, I think just um, consistency and not just from the player standpoint, but also from the coaching. Um, Steph has been asked to have a different role and have different, um, you know, playing times. He, he used to play the first and third quarters, all of them, and then come in, you know, after six to eight minute mark um, for second and fourth quarters and close it out. And he said that he wanted to get back to that, but he was doing what he could to help the team win. And even when Clay was back and, you know, there is this run going on, Steph still didn't get back to that. Um, there is a reason why he, you know, won the MVP twice, a unanimous decision. He was the scoring leader is when he had this consistency to look forward to. And I think the lack of consistency for him, for Kaminga, whether he's going to play nine minutes or 29 minutes, um, I think across the board, as Steve Kerr tries to figure it out, he really has to stick with something and or find something and stick with it that works for that potential matchup and that, that um, you know, series so that that way the players can know what to expect and know what to do. Because right now they, to me, they're, they're jumping in a little inconsistent and unsure of themselves because they don't know when they're going in. 
I mean, for Steph, this is an oversimplification, but one of the nicknames for him is Chef Curry, right? If you were a chef and they wanted you to do your best and they said, okay, we, we got people coming over. You have to destroy this meal. And it's like, great. What do you want me to make? Oh, I'm going to change that. I'm going to change the ingredients like every five minutes until you actually have to do it. We're making soup. No, we're making pasta. No, you have to use this. No, you have to. There's no way that that person would be able to do their best work. They could pull it out. They're a fucking professional. They're excellent at what they do. They'd probably give you a very serviceable meal. But if you want the best of the best, you tell them what's going to happen before it does. You give them a chance to prepare for it. And then you provide them exactly what you've prepared for on a consistent basis. You know, then two times, four times, eight times in on that meal, it's just getting better and better. They're changing Steph's ingredients every time, dude. The amount of time he can be on the floor, the things he can actually cook with. We need this consistency back. Last question. And one I'm kind of excited for. Marcus, are you team Will Smith or team Chris Rock, dude? Because I mean, like, how, how how did this thing unfold for you? Who played that thing right? Where are you on this? Um, I'm team neither. I think they both played it wrong. Um, you know, I know it's, it's Chris Rock's job to, um, be a comedian and kind of one of his sticks is just to, you know, especially in that setting as a host, you, you make fun of people. Um, but I've just never appreciated, um, that type of comedy. And I feel like it's a, it's not the example of the most talented thing. Like if, if that ends up impacting the careers of comedians who do nothing but go on stage, write, talk about two to three minutes of content they wrote and then pick on people in the audience the rest of the time, then I I could care less. But, um, so I think Chris Rock was in the wrong for, for doing that, even though that's kind of his thing and, and what's expected. Um, but so just not, not making an alopecia joke, literally just making an appearance joke you think was wrong. Yeah. I think, I think comedy at the expense of others when there's things that they can't control, um, is, is below the belt. And I don't think it, it's, it's not comedy to me. I think it's just, it's me, it's mean spirited. Um, so I, I think Chris Rock's joke was, um, out of line and, but obviously Will Smith's reaction to it too was as well. Like I, I still am partway not believing it was real. Like I was, it, when I watched, it, I was like, did that really just happen? There's no like, way. I saw footage of it at first and thought for sure it was a planned segment. It, it wasn't yeah. until I saw Will Smith's face as he screamed, keep my wife's name out of your effing mouth. That I was like, Ooh, that's like real. That it made me feel like it was real. But the way Chris Rock took it too, I was just like, Will Smith, I always viewed him as like the Muhammad Ali version. Like it's a big dude. He's like superhero. He you know, played like, Muhammad Ali. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and like seeing that frame and I was like, he slapped him and Chris Rock just kind of took it and was like, all right. So anyway, <laughs> I was like, dang, you can take I, a slap. <laughs> I heard a, I heard this is way back. I heard a Howard Stern interview with Chris Rock. And one of the things he talked about was when he was young, he got into a ton of fights. And it's the first thing that I thought of is because of how he took that punch. Um, I, I'll, I'll get off the fence. I'll tell you whose team I'm on. Team Chris Rock, dude. So, and then here, let, let me clarify this. If they passed out medical records for the audience to all the presenters, like if that's what happened, if they gave out a, a seating chart and said, okay, here's what everybody has and, and she has alopecia. And then he saw that and then made that joke. Okay. Unacceptable. That's he's, he's joking about something that somebody else can't control and that's scandalous. And you shouldn't talk about people's medical conditions and you know, he shouldn't be punched, but he is held accountable. Nobody's shown me that. We all know about the alopecia since. I understand that that was a thing, and I understand that's why her hair was short. But we also know Chris Rock is really good on his feet, and there's another world here where he came out, 
thought she made a haircut decision and made a GI Jane joke, you know, and in which case I don't think there's any accountability. That's what they hired him to do. They, they brought a guy who makes observations about the crowd to come up and make observations about the crowd. So it's hard for me to take shots at him and I'll give him credit on the other end. If somebody slapped me in the face, MT, do you know how long it would take me to get my shit back together? Like, and, I, and, I, and that's just if it's like randomly by myself in like a room. If I'm on television in front of millions of people and I'm watching a movie star walk up to me, I'm not sure what's going to happen. And then he slaps me in the face and walks away. Panic town. I, I don't know what's <laughs> happening, but it's nowhere near as professional as, as Chris Walk handled that. So absolutely hook, line, and sinker. I was impressed with him. And the thing that shocked me maybe even more than the slap itself was that fool kicking it in the audience afterwards. I, I, you and I went to high school together, but the year before you joined me, I'm a year older than you, we had an assembly. And I, I will never forget that assembly, MT. That somebody was like, pick your job day or something. I don't know. And then somebody was talking and another person, a student, got up onto the stage, pointed out some dude named Jerome. I didn't know Jerome, but the name stuck out. And he said, Jerome, fuck your mom. That's literally what he said. Hallis Candlesley. Jerome didn't like that. Jerome <laughs> got up. There was an altercation on the stage. I remember feeling really afraid. It was like my first year. And like, why is there fighting on the stage? You know what happened afterwards? Jerome and that other gentleman were politely asked to leave. They didn't sit through the rest of the assembly they didn't get to like ask they didn't get to pick their career you know they yeah he wasn't on there like oh like i would like to be a police officer like no <laughs> there i learned really early on that if you choose violence in a public setting you don't get to hang out in that public setting anymore you know there, there's some other things that need to go down and so to watch that fool walk off with the confident look that he you know i, I get he just slapped the hell out of someone who who shit out his wife but I, I was surprised at the, uh, at the allowance of him just going to finish it out, accept an award, and have a great night. It was a little bit surprising. Yeah, especially the standing ovation for his award, too. I was like, <laughs> what is going on here? Did, did nobody watch what happened? Were you guys all Somewhere Jerome bathroom? was hella angry. Jerome was like, this is totally unacceptable. To, I should have gone into <laughs> acting. I would have been perfectly fine. Jerome is actually Chris Rock. And he was like, not again. I can't uh, believe this. That's why he said, wow. He's like, oh, wow. Right back at Skyline. Exactly. Where am I? It's happening again. One of the things, did you see there is a, a video circulate? I don't know how accurate it is, but there were, it was Will Smith on the Arsenio Hall show. Arsenio Hall was a late night host. So if you're not familiar with him, he was like a version of Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel. Um, don't make me go, woo, woo, woo. Exactly. I don't think I don't remember that food. <laughs> it's for the audience. Um, and he's on there during the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air days. Um, and he makes fun of one of the bandmates of Arsenio Hall and talks about how he has to keep his head clean all the time. And apparently the dude had alopecia. Yep. Yep. So I was like, well, you know, like what, what's the difference back then? You didn't, you, you know, it was oh, fine for you to say it. Well, and this is total conjecture. Um, but the other, you know, the other footage that's come up is Will Smith's reaction when the joke was first told, you know, and he laughs when, when the joke is told about his wife, he laughs. It's not until she has kind of a, ooh, I don't know about that look on her face, that things probably would have changed. And as a married man, I understand that. You know what I mean? Like all that, look, if, if, if somebody took shots at my wife and I felt it was literally at her expense on her medical condition, would I take it hard? Absolutely. And do I always make the best of decisions when I'm put into like a stressful uh, place? No. Would I have done that? 
Probably not, but maybe that's just because I can't fight. You know, I don't, I don't want this to make it seem like I'm above making some mistake the way that Will Smith may have made. But if I'm evaluating the two people, you know, which one of these actions do I feel was more appropriate? I can back a misguided joke more than I can back a public slap that was apparently supported by the Academy. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair take on it. And I, I would agree. I, I think just to close it out and bring it full circle, I would have loved to see Draymond just walk up and slap Jay Crowder like that. I think it would have <laughs> been completely justified and he would have been, I would have let him stay in the game. Do you see they, they uh, somebody went back through and, and did lip reading to figure out what Draymond was telling Jay Crowder? Um, and to paraphrase, he said twice at once, you choked not once, but twice. And then second, and I don't remember what County, uh, Jay Crowder's from, but he's like, you're from whatever County he goes, that's a nice ass neighborhood. You're not about this. And I, I, I really love, I really love the, um, intelligence that went behind something like that, because you know, if you're Jay Crowder, that probably bothered you. And let's end it with another thing I didn't like about last night. It was Draymond chasing uh, Jay Crowder off the floor because you could tell it it bothered Dre. It, yeah. it stuck with him. You know, he he wanted to get the last word. And on a team that has always gotten the last word on the floor, watching him try to get it as everyone was leaving the floor, not the best of looks, you know, yeah. not the best of looks. But we'll get a shot. Playoffs are coming. All right. Huge fun, man. True every week. Um, I would tell Bonte to tell us where we can find him, but where we can find him is not on this fucking Zoom meeting. So <laughs> hopefully we will find Bonte next week in the huddle. With that in mind, you want to reach out to us, let us know. We did a good job, bad job, any job. Shoot us an email, huddle at warriorshuddle.com. Our uh, Twitter account and only presence on social media is at Warriors Huddle. With that in mind, go Warriors. Hopefully, see you next week. Good, good.